me. From Studio P in Sausalito, the home of the hit, it's time for... Sucker Time. The number one award-seeking comedy podcast about comedy. Podcast. And here's your host, internationally recognized comedy podcast podcaster, Mark Hershaw. Not surprise. It's me, Mark Hershon, your host and sommelier for Epi 86 of Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast. The show that is to podcasting what TV Guide is to television, except less comprehensive and not very good at coming out on a regular weekly basis, and we don't really tell you when the shows are specifically coming out. Other than that, we are exactly like TV Guide. I don't know how it is you came by this episode you're listening to right now, but know this. Suckatash can be downloaded on iTunes, streamed from Stitcher on your iOS or Android device, streamed or downloaded from SoundCloud.com, or streamed right out of the Suckatash Show page on Facebook. We also get replayed throughout the week over on CWERradio.com, and you can even get us streaming directly off our homepage at SuckatashShow.com. Speaking of which, we just got our monthly statement as an Amazon associate, and it seems we may... Zero money from our Amazon portal at the top of our Suckatash Show homepage this past month. Thanks, everybody. I guess that means I need to start talking about it more until you guys remember to go to our page, that's SuckatashShow.com, click on the banner at the top of the page that takes you directly to Amazon, where you can do your shopping as usual. With no skin off your nose, Amazon then tosses us back a few quatloos that we can use for equipment, monthly fees to, to Libsyn, our delightful web hosting service, and gin. And briefly, that's SuckatashShow.com to Amazon to buy your stuff, money back to us for a few mics, web rent, and gin. Easy? Cheers. This show is all about the clips. Tons of clips. Our associate producer, Tyson Sainer, has been busy and has sent along a freighter full of podcast clips from all over the place. I grabbed a couple of myself. We've got a couple of burst of dirts, our usual homegrown nonsense, and boom. That's it. We will try to have you back in the world with your earbuds out in under, I'm going to say an hour and a half, I would promise. But unless you stay after the closing credits, I definitely can't because I'm going to be playing a bonus of me. That's right, me narrating the current Epi 10 of Nigel Boydell's HMS Codcast after the regular show rolls. How about that? A whole episode of just me talking. It's kind of like me talking, except that's only about, I don't know. Five minutes long. <laughs> uh, but first, here's our requisite Chill Pack Hollywood Hour shout out. What I l- love is the concept that, you know, we will play maybe some clips next week. Right. And we rarely do that, but maybe we'll play a few clips. And uh, I love the idea that when that show gets excerpted on Suckatash, <laughs> comedy podcast podcast, and you know it will. Of course. We uh, love that. Because I'm basically begging for it to happen right now. <laughs> when, uh, and. Oh, by the way, host of Suckatash, Mark Hershon and I, we have a pitch meeting coming up. So if he doesn't want me to tank it. <laughs> wow. Dot, dot, dot. Wow. Uh, anyway, that is harsh. Uh, he, he, um, he, when he, when, when he and his crack team of Illuminati. Right. Including Tyson Sainer. Well, I saw the whole tweet. When, uh, when they excerpt next week's show on Suckatash, I love the concept that it will be a clip of us setting up and playing a clip. <laughs> I mean, I just... would that be, be great. fantastic. And actually. if it was a clip 
of oh, us referencing sweet. and clipping Succotash playing us. Oh my, it's like two mirrors. Wow. In front of each in, other. Infinity, infinity. That'll go like in those infinity mirrors that you just disappear into your own reflection. Our show and his show are infinity mirrors. <laughs> yeah. And yet, oddly enough, on the automobile, the infinity, it doesn't come equipped with mirrors. No, I don't what? know. That was terrible. What? I'm getting rid of the old bad material <laughs> early, before we start. Early so, uh, on. Thank you. Happy anniversary, guys. I so appreciate you mentioning us, mentioning you, mentioning us. Uh, Dean Haglin and Phil Lernis, in addition to rounding on their seventh year in podcasting, by the way, are just finishing up editing their new movie, The Lady Killers. And you can see a trailer for it embedded in the blog for this very episode up at our home site, SuccotashShow.com. It'll be just a few inches under the Amazon banner at the top of the page. I don't know if I've mentioned that. You can click on that banner to do your shopping and help out our humble podcast at the same time. Chillpack's delicious podcast goodness going on seven years without an, a workplace incident can can be, well, they probably had incidents, but they've had no accidents, uh, can be had at chillpackhollywood.com, iTunes. You can find them also on Stitcher now. Yes, they recently joined Stitcher. Most of the podcasts we play on this show can be heard uh, at iTunes and Stitcher. So I'm not going to mention them after every clip, but I will mention them because gosh darn it has been almost seven years that they've been doing this thing. Before I forget, if you are in the San Francisco Bay Area next Friday night, May 9th, I will be hosting a comedy show at the 142 Throckmorton Theater in Mill Valley. It's a benefit to help out the filmmakers of three still standing. Uh, They need to come up with the dough to finish that movie. So we're going to show some scenes from the documentary, which looks at the 80s comedy scene in San Francisco and follows the roller coaster careers of three of its denizens. Larry Bubbles Brown, a recent guest of this show, Johnny Steele, a future guest of this show and our very own Will Durst. And all three of those guys will also be doing stand-up during that show. So that's uh, this Friday, May 9th. There's a link up at SuccotashShow.com or you can go to 3stillstanding, that's the numeral 3stillstanding.com for more information about the show. Speaking of Will Durst, let's give a listen to the first of two Bursts of Durst this episode. Here he gets into what he calls the tsunami of tech going on these days. Hey guys. Will Durst here with a few choice words about the tsunami of tech currently engulfing the nation and in the process redecorating communities like a family of grizzly bears and a Volkswagen van. A family of highly paid bespectacled grizzly bears with a taste for $4 toast. Remember back in high school when the freaks and geeks and nerds were ostracized and used as the objects of our scorn and derision? Well, pull out that letter sweater because those days are back again. The nerds have lost their soft, fuzzy aura of lovable underdogs and are now viewed more like hipster locusts, laying waste to neighborhoods with a voracious appetite for quinoa, kale, and $6 cups of designer coffee. Here in the Bay Area, Google has become the face of the evil empire with their high-profile projects such as Google Glass, the wearable computer only available to a precious few, and the Google Buses, which use municipal infrastructure to ferry the precious fewer from cities central to their campus in Silicon Valley. All men are created equal, but obviously some are more equal than others. 
Most distressing are the alterations to cities where the texters have descended. This October, when shares of Twitter employees become vested, 2,000 millionaires will hit the streets of San Francisco and people will speak dreamily of the good old days when a studio in the mission with no parking and the smell of old men embedded in the walls only cost $3,500 a month. Raising the question, who are the real glass wipes here? The insular, entitled techies blissfully traipsing down sidewalks, laughing at cat videos on their face-born computers? Or the rest of us, desperate for handouts, poised to wipe their windscreens clean with our mini squeegees? For Succotash, the podcast of comedy podcasts, I'm Will Durst. Uh, Will Durst, you can find also at willdurst.com. He also tweets at Will Durst on Twitter. All right. It's been far too long since we've taken a look at... The 10 most active shows in the Stitcher Top 100 Comedy Podcast List. Now, in case you've forgotten... Because I haven't done this show for, I think, three weeks at this point. Uh, Or if you've never heard this feature before, we look at the 10 podcasts that have moved either up or down the Stitcher Top 100 Comedy Podcast Chart in the past week. So, starting at number 10, how did this get made? Up 12 places. At 47, The Artie Lang Show, up 10 places. At 53, Burt's Cast's Podcast. Burt Cast's podcast is down 14. At 61, The Cracked Podcast has gone up nine spaces. At 62, What About Pod is down 16. At 89, The Dead Authors Podcast uh, has gained 23 spots on the chart. At 90, How Was Your Week with Julie Klausner has fallen 10 spaces. Uh, at 92, For Really Show with Rude Jude and Sanim Sila has jumped up 86 places to get into the top 100, I think, maybe for the first time. At 100, Beats and Eats, up nine places. And that is your... The 10 most active shows in the Stitcher Top 100 Comedy Podcast List. Oh, boy. Was anybody counting... Uh, I didn't count till the end, and you know I do that list in advance, and it's too late to go back right now, because I really wanted to get this show out, but I, I've cheated you of one podcast. That was only nine podcasts on that list. I'm I'm so sorry. Uh, let me find something else. Uh, at number 80, the New York City Crime Report with Pat Dixon is up seven places. All right, so there's your... The 10 most active shows in the Stitcher Top 100... Comedy Podcast List. All right, here we go. No more delays. Clippage full speed ahead. I love the premise for this next and relatively new podcast, The Carson Show. It's an example of how podcast really does have something for everyone. Host Mark Markoff talks to guests about legendary talk show host Johnny Carson. That's it. That's the core premise of the show. It's all about Johnny Carson. Guests include stand-up comics who've debuted on The Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson, individuals who worked on the show, frequent guests, and top entertainers who were influenced by Carson. In the first dozen episodes, Mark Hoff has already interviewed Carol Burnett, Byron Allen, Martin Mull, and fucking Dick Cavett. Wow. 
Uh, Tyson clipped Epi 3, which features one of my absolute favorite and highly underappreciated actors, Charles Grodin. This is the very first podcast he's ever done, by the way, Charles Grodin. They talk about his being a commentator and the amount of reading required. Also, pranking Michael Sarah, who has publicly cited his main comedic acting influences as being Charles Grodin and Bob Newhart. So give a listen to this. People think it's a joke when you go into Jimmy Fallon and you say, I, I don't know this show, I don't watch TV. Well, I'm a commentator for CBS yes. uh, Network Radio, so I have, I have to watch the news a lot. Sure. And I read a lot of newspapers and I read a lot of magazines because I try to prepare myself to be qualified to be a commentator on the news, which has been going on for 18 years. And that kind of keeps me away from watching other things. I remember Cindy Adams once interviewed me and asked me what I watched on this years ago, but what I watch on television i gave her this answer and she printed my answer then she then after she prints my answer, she goes yeah right <laughs> she didn't believe you she didn't believe me well there are you know it, it, nothing against i'm sure there's great i know there is i mean i don't go to movies either for the same reason i will say this though you do own a few dvds which are the christopher guest dvds guffman i i have i do watch dvds at night uh, i like uh, the uh, the waiting for guffman i like uh, best in show I like For Your Consideration, and I'm a, uh, a Sasha Baron Cohen nut. You haven't done almost no film or, or TV almost since 94. If Christopher Guest came to you and asked you to be in one of his mockumentaries, would you say yes? Where is it being done? <laughs> That's the thing. If it's not done I, in Connecticut or in New York an hour, you're, you're going to say no. I'm, I, when my agent calls me with things, I never say how much. I always say where. It's you and Gene Wilder do not like leaving Connecticut. I, I, I go into New York. I'm doing something right now with Michael J. Fox in New York, and then I'm going to do a movie in New York. With, with, that's with Noah. Noah Baumbach and uh, Ben Stiller and Naomi Watts and Scott Rudin's producing, but it's New York. What did, did Michael J. Fox's people say to you to get you to say yes? And I want to point out that we're taping this on a Wednesday. They didn't even approach you until this past Thursday. Yeah, I don't. I, that, that is a little odd. I mean, because I started work on Monday, and that's it was Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I did. I did a. Uh, I did an episode of Law and Order. I think last year. I, I did that in New York. I did. I did one day because uh, I know uh, and I'm friends with Michael Sarah, and he asked if I would play his father for one day, and I went into uh, New York. I, and I saw that it was a short. You can see it on YouTube on his YouTube channel. You say no to everything almost. What did Michael? Sarah say to you for you to agree and what did Michael J. Fox's like how did they convince you yeah I mean it was New York and uh, and I like them both very yeah. much and uh, you hadn't met Michael J. Fox though until this past and until what Monday right I hadn't met Michael Sarah either uh, I, <laughs> he since came up to where we are right now and we had lunch I told everyone there because I'm friends with the people who own this place I told them at 10 minute intervals send a uh, waiter over each time the first one tell them uh how much you enjoyed his work in uh, Arrested Development, and 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 he thanked them, and then and then the next one come over and say how much you enjoyed his work in the movie Juno, and uh, I by the way I haven't seen Arrested Development or Juno either, and uh, and they did, and then they came over and the third one said I really enjoyed your direction of Brazzaville Teenager, the short film I did. At that point he's looking at me. Now, and and the, the, then the next thing we did, I, this was done in three acts. The second act, he thought I was taking him to my house, but I wasn't. I was taking him to the Bedford Hills Correctional Facility, where I'm an, I'm an advocate, and I've been going there for several years. 
And, you know, the scenery is beautiful, and he really thinks we're driving to my house. And as we approach the facility, I say, I do this riff. I've done it with a couple of people. I say, you know, Michael, I'm very fond of you, but above, uh, above everything, I believe in law and order. And I'm sorry, I'm aware of certain things that you've done. And, I'm, and as, he's looking at me, and now we're pulling into the prison. Uh, and he, he gets that it's a joke. And then we go in, and I know some people there, some corrections officers, and, and I, the one I was looking for wasn't there, but there was another woman there in the visiting room, and we, we chatted for a while. And as we went to leave, the corrections officer looked at Michael and said, Juno. Now, Michael then looked at me and said, it's another bit. It's I a said, setup, yes. This one wasn't, I said, no. <laughs> Got to get yourself some more of that, right? Find it over at CarsonPodcast.com. Man, uh, what a great interview that was, too. Um, uh, I love Charles Grodin, and uh, you find out some great stuff that I didn't know anyway. For instance, he was uh, uh, one of, I think, three people that was under exclusive contract to The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson to just be interviewed. Uh, he would literally, uh, he had an ongoing contract and he would show up like every three or four weeks and just be on the panel and didn't necessarily have anything to plug and was basically, as he says, doing a character of himself because he'd come out and he'd sort of insult Johnny most of the time. And it was just a kind of a running gag they had. And people apparently got fu- furious. They would write in and say, why is he being so mean? Uh, and it was all just part of the act. Carson apparently loved it. Uh, so that's interesting. So uh, check that out. CarsonPodcast.com. Now, I got a note this past week from Erin O'Connor, who started out as a stand-up in San Francisco. I've known her over the years, and uh, she's been in L.A. for a long time and working as a stand-up and a writer. She started co-hosting The Bob Zaney Show uh, a number of months back, and she thought we would enjoy the conversation that she and Bob had with Ella James, a voiceover actress and comedy transplant from Australia. Now, here's a clip where Ella talks about what a stumbling block the English, English language can be in the mouths of another culture or the host of this show. I've had some Australian friends visiting for a couple of days, um, which basically means 68 hours without any sleep and lots of martinis, but <laughs> they, they, they are surprised at the amount of language that Americans use mm. and how cordial and friendly you are. Really? And I really believe that you use your language to grease the wheels. Oh, really? Yes. So it's so... Arterial motive? Is that what you're trying to say? Maybe for the tip, but <laughs> no. But I, and I say, why not? I say, if it makes me feel good, why not? But hello, ma'am, how are you today? What can I get for you? Did you get everything you were looking for in the store? I find that... Warm. You didn't. You didn't hear that in yeah, New not York. In LA. Not in LA. Well, in LA you can, but I don't think New York is much. No, because it's funny. Because I, I travel there for two weeks. Give me a break. Yeah, you know. But that's a good observation because I, I think we do get a bad rap for not being terribly polite. Oh really no, do. you're really? polite everywhere but on the four hundred five. <laughs> so I, I oh, don't even bring up the four hundred five. I have learned a new method of driving, and that is as soon as somebody puts on an indicator in front of me, a, is that the word you use? A flicker, sure, turn, blinker, turn, yeah. signal, turn signal, a flicker. An indicator. It's an indicator. Go on. I'm going to be calling you at three in the morning to translate my American. But, you know, as soon as they put on their indicator, you speed up. You close the gap. Do not let them in. Don't let them in. Well, that's not true. We were talking about that on the 405 because I think somebody let us in and she gave the wave. And we we believe in the wave. You know, if someone is nice enough to let you through, you give them the wave. Well, I got failed for my driving test for for waving at somebody. Stop it. And she said... I don't know where you come from, but here in Los Angeles, we don't wave at people before we run into them. <laughs> I was in tears. 
Do you find it hard to do an American accent? Or is it easy? No, it's not easy. Um, I I don't say that because I make so many mistakes. Mm -hmm. Um, But obviously I'm developing it. I'm developing it because I'm an actor and a voice actor and and I want to to do work. But things like, you see, when I first arrived, I stayed at a fabulous B&B in West Hollywood. That'd be bed and breakfast for our listeners. Yes, Go thank ahead. you. A bed and breakfast. <laughs> thank you, my translating friend. And um, and so I said, I'm just going down to Hawthorne Boulevard. And she said, you're a what? <laughs> and I said, Hawthorne Boulevard. So when you look at the mouth shape for Hawthorne, we move everything forward. Hawthorne Boulevard. Right. But it's Hawthorne Boulevard. Right. And your mouth gets a total workout. I don't know why people go to spin classes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you... Well, but so it, it, you have to observe to get the dialect as well as rehearse and rehearse and repeat. I and go repeat. to a dialect you, you coach and I also, I have it on in the car and I use Siri. So Siri didn't understand me for months. Really? Yeah. Yeah. You know what? That's why I have a droid. Siri is just wrong. Really? It's hurting America and the UK really? and she's the that, Commonwealth. She's <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just trying to learn as I go along. No, that's okay. I'm but being I, a sponge. Yeah, so I've got this 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 one woman who does this this dialect coaching, and she uses an Australian man to say, and this is how you say it in the Australian accent. And he says, I'm going down to the farm to shoot a snake. And then she, and this is how you say it in the American accent. I have a rifle. I have a right to use it. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But wow. It's so I find myself my my Australian has got so much better because I find myself saying, I'm got a gun, I'm gonna go shoot a snake. Oh, I actually said it that way. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, well this is great though, because part of then it sounds to me this very, very funny stories that you're telling us so so as part of your voiceover work found its way into your stand-up act or yes you, it has okay and yes it has and i didn't realize that it would translate mm. but i mean i'm even getting dates on my accent oh you know a well, man turned you mean other gps voice, though yeah. not, not other yeah. not yeah that's like me and garmin go out for a day yeah. like, it's really i actually a friend of mine is the voice of garmin and when she and i get together it's like oh my would you god like to go out for a coffee and she's like i'm sorry i don't understand you do you understand what a great TV show that would be the it two is. voices. My mother, the Australian car. As luck would have it, the Bob Zaney show originates at bobzaney.com. How about that? Uh, also, again, with uh, sidekick and uh, old pal Aaron O'Connor. Uh, and in that particular episode, uh, uh, Ella James goes uh, into quite some detail about what it's like to move, sort of tear up your roots and try to get started all anew in Hollywood. So check that out. This clip coming up of uh, The Church of What's Happening Now with Joey Diaz is from their Epi 159. Comedian Rick Ramos, host of Watch This, joins Joey and his sidekick Lee in the studio. Now, although this show included comedy manager Barry Katz, a legend, calling in for, um, uh, for one of the best calls in the show's history, supposedly, the clip that Tyson caught was the moment that the recent earthquake hit in L.A. as they were recording. I'm on the phone. I'm talking to you. What are you doing? The sheriff killed Walsh in Chicago a long time ago. Don't say a word to me, Sydney. Don't say a fucking word to me. I'm going to carry this telephone in your head. I don't understand the problem with this. This is real, people. You just got an earthquake in California. You heard it fucking live on the church of what's happening now, motherfucker. That's the spirit of Dennis Farina. That's the spirit of Dennis Farina. I got a little bit scared there for a minute. My fucking breath away, people. Oh, shit. I was like, this is the fucking end. This is the end. 
If that was an adrenaline rush, <laughs> motherfuckers, you witnessed it live on the church of what's happening now, and we're still balls deep Fuck doing yeah. fucking vapor. Look, the vapor tipped over, but it didn't break. I'm not, mom. Ma- I'm coming Eureka. home. I'm going home. No, I'll not. see you in Boston. No. Nice to know you. You're in this motherfucker till the end. That was That's the biggest one I've ever felt. Oh my god, that I would have slept right through that. Oh. Uh, no, I, I would have slept right through that, man. Oh, fuck. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to pay attention to Jimmy Serrano. I was like, all right. I thought I was imagining it for a minute. I didn't know what the hell that was. <laughs> oh, oh, shit. That was insane. Shit. Oh. Do you want me to pause it so you can call Terry? <coughs> no, no, no. We're fine. We're fine. Yeah, she'll call us if there's a problem. Jesus Christ. Uh-huh. You witnessed it live on the church. What's happening now, motherfuckers? Living in Los Angeles. We're going, going, back, back to Cali, Cali. Right, I, I need this going, for a second. Going, Hold on. Back, back to Cali, Cali. Uh. <coughs> oh, my God. That was fucking insane, man. Anything come up on it? I want to be around. Oh, my God. Monday, March 17th. That's the fucking Irish. I love you, motherfuckers. Some somebody twice as smart as you wake up. As I Oh my god. I was ready to run over But somebody who will swear to be true. As you used to do. Talking about, ladies and gentlemen, a fucking earthquake that was fucking rocking. That was fucking rocking. Look at my phone is all fucked up. Bitches be sucking my dick. Look at this shit. Oh shit. I mean, I wanna be around. We're still gonna be around. To see how he does Oh shit. Oh shit. Let's see if the puzzle fits. A fucking earthquake, ladies and gentlemen. So he, said, he, said, he said Chicago was nice. You want to head there now? Yeah. I believe I mentioned this the last time I played a clip from the Church of What's Happening Now, because we have clipped Joey Diaz on the show before. Uh, I believe the Church of What's Happening Now was coined by Flip Wilson for one of his characters, because I remember being a kid listening to a Flip Wilson record my parents had, and uh, Joey Diaz and I are probably about the same age, so I wouldn't be surprised if he heard the same thing, because Flip Wilson was, I think, underappreciated. Some of his stuff was uh, classic stuff. You can find the inimitable Joey Diaz and company at their home site, thechurchofwhatshappeningnow.libson.com. If that's too long for you, type Joey Diaz, D-I-A-Z into Google and the word church, and I bet you you'll see their website right there, because who needs to type in a long URL these days? Uh, Brendan Greeter and Elliot Drew of Small Town Bringdown have spent their entire lives podcasting, or so it says on their website. It also says up until 2011, they never actually recorded themselves talking to each other, but that has all changed. Uh, Listen in, as it says, as they talk shit about shit weekly, and here they are talking some shit. Thanks for tuning in to the number one podcast amongst people who don't know where the fuck Malaysia Flight 370 is either. <laughs> Can you believe this shit? A whole fucking plane. Yeah. Just still. Still. I know. Like nine days later. I still don't know where the fuck it is. And I, I've heard like there were some, there were, 
you know, there was a newscast the other day, and they're like, there are many theories about what's happened to this flight. And, uh, and like they start off with hijacking and it's crashed and there was and mechanical exploded. failure or all this other stuff and then and then at the and then they decided they're like but it could be aliens and it could be <laughs> fucking you know like a vortex in space or a wormhole. See what we need is we need Scully and Mulder to come along and we'll be able to figure it out. That's the shit right now. This has gone into the X file zone. Yeah, and uh, uh, unfortunately, Julian Anderson and David Duchovny are have moved on to yeah. do other things <laughs> and we need them now more than ever yes to but, find out what's going on here oh well what are you going to do right i think personally i what feel, do you think happened to it um i feel that they have tripped sideways into a slightly alternate dimension <laughs> okay um and actually it's kind of scary for me because you know how that whole thing about two people occupying the same space could cause like the universe <laughs> to explode. In time. Uh, so I'm worried that these people uh, are going to land. They've landed their plane, no problem, and they got out. And the only difference in this particular parallel universe is that um, ants have have uh, have uh, have their like, skeles- skeletons are on the inside. Yes, <laughs> they're just backwards. Yeah, that's, that's all, the only that's, that's only all difference. that's the only difference. So nobody Same size. Yeah, so. nothing. It's nothing catastrophic. You know, <laughs> catastrophically different. It's not like the Nazis won the war or any kind of. But it's just really a simple change. <laughs> The ants are fucked up in this parallel dimension, so yeah. nobody really knows. Yeah, um, and um, and so they they've got they landed the flight and everything was okay and uh, they checked in. Um, I guess the but, only the only way anybody would ever know is if one of those um, passengers on that jet was like the leading uh, ant specialist yeah, in and, the world. And what's going to happen though is is that they're going to finish their trip. Yeah, and somebody's going to go home. Yeah, and they're going to walk into their house. But because of the way this world has worked with these ants being slightly different um that flight none of those people were on that same flight because it's very divergent yes right so those people weren't going to be on that flight but those people exist in that dimension and those people are going to go home and they're going to walk through the door and they'll be like and they're going to walk the into fuck? their fucking bedroom and the other their, their, their doppelganger is going to walk out of the bathroom <laughs> the ensuite and they're going to bump into each other and in that moment time and space cease to exist uh, we're all dead the paradox is too great, and time and space <laughs> unravel in a blink of an eye, and we uh, nobody knows. So now, That's, obviously, this theory of two people existing on the in opposite times or planes at the same time, yes. Creating a catastrophic event, of course, that's brought forth by the famous Doc Brown in Back to the Future. Yes. But the problem is, is they did that. I just watched last night the newest, the first newest Star Trek. Yeah. The original, like, whatever, 2009. And Spock and Spock were talking to each other. Yes. So, and we're still here. So, obviously, that doesn't. Unfortunately. Play, play for it. That was a movie. So was Back to the Future. Yes, but that's a theory, and that I think theory is based fu- in physics. <laughs> okay, the theory is based in physics, and nobody has yet to slide into another dimension or to time travel and occupy the same space. It hasn't happened yet. Yeah. This is the first fucking time. <laughs> this okay. Malaysia flight is the first fucking time that this, this event has actually occurred in, in, in the modern in, – in, in our human history, and what's going to fuck up up is it's going to be nuts, and we won't <laughs> even know. We won't even know it happened because it's instantaneous. All space and time unravels, and we're fucked. Just, poof. just poof. like just a poof. The into bubble, a... the bubble will pop, and everything will inside. <laughs> There'll be will... a sheen of blood. Yeah, and it'll just be a bubble of blood mist. Yeah, just a little bit, and, and it'll dissipate, and it will just be the 
black emptiness of nothing. <laughs> the, now, will that destroy the entire Earth or just mankind? It will actually destroy the entire universe. Okay. They've got a couple of home sites, it looks like. You can find them at smalltownbringdown.com or lunchboxfabrications.com. Hmm. Both, both a little long, but uh, that's okay. You can, uh, you, you can either get them there or, of course, on all the usual sites that you get your podcasts from. I think Brody Stevens is hilarious, personally. He's got a podcast called the Stephen Brody Stevens Festival of Friendship, which we have clipped before. But he's also got a video cast, which is live on Tuesdays at noon on VPN. That's the Video Podcast Network. The show's called Positive Push with Brody Stevens and welcomes comedians, athletes, and friends to discuss positive energy, bike riding, supplements, and more. Our associate producer Tyson Sainer grabs some audio featuring Brody and guest Brian Redband. I want to get the seriousness. Those, the death squatters have evolved as well. The fans, they would come after me. You're a jerk. You're an a-hole to the point where I told Brian, you got to take this thing down. So he took the video down and then I really, through Brian's guidance and these other guys, is like, just chill, just talk. You know, you don't want to be all that. Save that for the live show. But the podcasting was talking. I had my own show, and it's it's not officially off the air. We're on hiatus. Broad and Esther, Brian gave me the opportunity for that to kind of soften my image, have a have a female on the set. Listen, he really got me into listening and not yelling, preaching. So I th- I think like in the ears of the podcast listener. So. The fans have been nothing but supportive. Brian has Death Squad fans all over the country. I've done shows in Columbus, Ohio, Toronto, Texas, the Bay Area, and they always come out. They're very supportive. And they've become a better comedy audience. You know, you get the Doug Bensons on. You get the Stephen Brody Stevenses. You get the Joe Rogans. You're getting Bill Burr. I think Bill Burr was recently on the show. You get big comedic names, and I feel like your audience is growing with them as well. I think it's great for comedy, uh, the whole podcasting thing, because for once we have a, a, uh, a an audience that knows us so much. They know us more than my best friends, you know. Mm-hmm. If they sit there and listen to podcasts, they know more secrets and stories than the, a, a person I've known for 30 years. Yeah. and Because they're getting it, like, digest, or, you know, they're they're listening to it every day. They're listening to almost a, a, a book report on me and you and everybody else every day so when we have a comedy show in you know like our country like toronto uh we we uh <laughs> and no mayor jokes i like that no that's a, that mayor's he's funny that guy I is mean, funny if you've seen the most recent video of the mayor of toronto the guy is sprinting through the house of representatives knocks over some old lady tries to pick her up sprints i mean the guy's in good shape i mean you have to admit <laughs> the guy is active his approval rating's going up did you know that? <laughs> it's crazy. Like, like before all this crazy shit, I think it was like 37%. And like the latest one was like 43%, his, I, his approval rating. I mean, I think it's great for Toronto tourism. Um, I think it's okay. I mean, he's doing really well as a mayor. He's doing well as a mayor. And you know what? It is. I mean, I can't defend crack smoking, pot smoking. Yes. Um, I don't know what else he's done, but, you know. Have you ever taken crack? No, I have not taken crack. I've smoked it. You got it. <laughs> Wordplay with Brian Reichel, a.k.a. Red Band. But I do want to say before we'll go to a we'll go to a break here. And I'm being serious. Doing those podcasts. The live ones, the Ice House Chronicles, where we'll get five or six comedians around. We just talk, and then it's like one will go away. Go do the stand-up show. Go do 15 minutes in there, desk squad. Sometimes it's intimate, sometimes it's bigger, but you get a real feel. 
you could see that these people who are listening are like good, supportive people. They come out to the shows. It's not like you don't get to see them. And then when you go on the road and I just want to say for you to give me that time and that opportunity after I went crazy, go nuts. He's scared. He gave me herpes <laughs> that you like allowed me to go in there, do the Broden Esther. I have an open invite for every show at the Ice House. That makes me feel good. I know other comedians don't have that opportunity. And when I was down and, you know, going through stuff, you know, Brian helped me. So. Do you talk about anything else other than your, your, your past? Do you ever talk yeah, about Yeah, I talk the, about the future. Do you? You know what the future is? Next week, next Tuesday. What else is the future? My half hour special on Comedy Central. Oh. What else is the future? My good friend just signed a two year contract with the Chicago Cubs bench player, not bench player, in the coach. That's positive. Oh, go on my website. Tons of photos. <laughs> but this is real. This is emotional. And you talk about the past. And yes, I'm moving forward. If I always, have you seen growth in me since know. the two years ago? I don't know. Let's make it like... I, I've seen growth. I've seen growth. Having this show, having you here, and I'm being serious. This is strict free. We're going to go to break right now. We got emotional. I cried. Hopefully we can use this footage of me breaking down and use it on my Comedy Central show, which premieres December 1st. We'll try an iMovie that in. In the meantime, we'll take a little break. I'm going to have a sip of water. We're going to regroup here, and we'll be back with Brian Redband, Reichel, and Stephen Brody Stevens on Positive Push. You got it. Enjoy. And that's a taste of Positive Push with Brody Stevens. Not to be confused with Push Positive, the bra from Calvin Klein. How do I know that? Uh, the company that I work for during the day, we, we name that bra. How about that? <laughs> That's what I do. I name things. How about you? Live Tuesdays at noon Pacific time on VPN. That's the video podcast network. You can also find all the episodes up at YouTube on Brody's channel at youtube.com slash Brody. We clipped modern day philosophers with Danny LaBelle not too long ago, at least as far as our episodes go, not time itself. But he recently had friend of Succotash Rick Overton on the show. And not only was Overton a guest on this episode, but apparently he also helped Danny move a couch before the show started. So I think you might hear a bit of chatter about that. In addition to, I think it's Plato that they talked to, uh, talked about, they didn't talk to, talk to him and it wasn't the child's clay. It's Plato, the philosopher. Do you have much of a background in philosophy yourself? Well, not a background in as much as a degree in it or other than just a curiosity about it. And as interesting as it is to read others' philosophies, it's like reading everyone else's written works. It's interesting up to a point. Mm -hmm. But I think everyone becomes twice as interesting instantly when they start making a philosophy rather than repeating one. I think the process of making it is more important than the philosophy itself. It's supposed to be adjusted to the circumstance around it. You're supposed to go, what part of this do I relate to? Right. And then you're supposed to branch off and make your own. It's like a bubble bath isn't just made of one gigantic bubble. It's not like the dome, you know. It's like thousands of different size-shaped mm -hmm. bubbles. And uh, we're supposed to have our own version of that. I think the process of making it is more important than the philosophy itself. It's supposed to be adjusted to the circumstance around it. So do you think these philosophers, like the ancient philosophers that we study, do you think they knew that their philosophies would become obsolete in time, or if not completely obsolete, replaceable? I don't know if you think of that while you're thinking of it. You yeah. look back and see what happened to it. Our perspectives <clears throat> as comedians are based on our times. Yeah. 
So it's interesting to me to think that a guy like you or or Louis C.K. or anybody uh, who we hear now and they make great points on society, those those are in, in you know those are philosophies and those philosophies can be replaced by the next generation. So comedy can fall apart with time in that way too. Sure, well, I, I think if you listen to topical material from another era, you can sort of see it in its perspective, little glass case on the shelf, but you don't get hit in the gut with it as if hey that. That person is talking about something I just read on the headlines today about whatever event in our history was going on, and they were the first three or four people to come up with jokes on them, you know. I think it hits you differently, the newness of it, and also the style and the language. Mm -hmm. But someone has also been, you know, in school measured to have uh, attention deficit stuff, too, because I was thinking of jokes and girls and other stuff, you know. We're entering an era where the media feeds that high-speed flash edit thought process, and it makes a well-thought-out philosophy a harder thing to sell. You have to have a quick philosophy. Like what? Like, just do it. Right. Just go for it. Simple philosophy. My philosophy is, fuck it, man. What? It's like one phrase isn't a philosophy. (laughs) Absolutely. It's like the Vine videos. Like, you know, YouTube was too long for people. You know, that's that's where... (laughs) It's a great way for people to never... To lose the skill set, rather, if they had it, Mm -hmm. or to never attain the skill set where you have a slower eye and you watch something very carefully and you wait for it to do other things and you see it establish its patterns. Mm -hmm. Now you have it figured out. Any good judge of character is looking for someone else's patterns. And when you do it twice and I figure out why, I know that's a part of you. So next time you come over, I will make sure not There's to have you move a There's a sofa out front. <laughs> this is a pattern with Danny with the furniture. <laughs> Every time I'm starting to think of the refrigerator, you son of a gun. <laughs> Rick, I'm sorry. Look, you know, it just so happens well, every come time. come on, man. You're killing me here. <laughs> That's hilarious. Every time you come over. <laughs> Are you shitting me? Duvet. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, look, I know your time. I, I know you're pressed. <laughs> of vanity. What is this bullshit? <laughs> I hope you don't mind helping me build a shed very quickly. Ikea shed. <laughs> okay. So are are there philosophers that you uh, dig? I'm not uh, so much of a nihilist. And, you know, I, I'm into the improvisation forward movement of it, to the readjustment of it. My favorite I mean, I think Mark Twain was a philosopher. Mm-hmm. Some of this man is this and he will do that stuff kind of yawns me out a little bit. And I, I don't think it's very in touch with the complexity of what we're faced with today. Mm-hmm. I thought people who were just great judges of character like Twain mm-hmm. were incredible philosophers and the brotherhood of man. I think Gandhi was a great philosopher. I think John Lennon was yeah. a great philosopher. Uh, Timothy Leary was a great philosopher. We became buddies. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. He he was hosting Evening at the Improv, and uh, so I got the job of being his comedy set warm-up coach. That's incredible. Yeah. All right. So are you ready to jump in to the philosophy? We haven't done that yet. Well, well we haven't jumped into the we old stuff. We haven't done it yet. We've All just right. talked about the new All school right, stuff, but now we're going to... Oh, I see. We're going right. to read some Play-Doh. What do you think? All right. Play-Doh Fun Factory. Besides iTunes and Stitcher, there are a couple of other places you can get modern-day philosophers with Danny LaBelle, uh, namely dannylobelle.com slash podcast, and also modern-dayphilosophers.net. 
Every week, according to the Team Coco podcast website, host Aaron Blayert hunts down and hogties a new celebrity or Conan staffer to interrogate them about their jobs, what's in their pockets, and everything in between. It's the ultimate glimpse behind the scenes, except, you know, you, you take it in with your ears. This clip, they're on about what it was like shooting the Zach Galifianakis web series Between Two Ferns with guest and president Barack Obama. We had heard that the White House was interested in doing um, some videos with Funny or Die. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome. I, I had a meeting with Valerie Jarrett uh, from the White House in July um, to, and I was sort of ambassador to Between Two Ferns at that point, where sure. it was a lot of people who worked at Funny or Die and a lot of people in the entertainment industry, and mm-hmm. everyone was trying to see what they could do to make videos. And my job was to be there going, uh, do you think the president would want to do Between Two Ferns? Uh, Scott, he's our mumbler. <laughs> um, do you think that you could ask the president to be, be, do Between Two Ferns? <laughs> and um, so I had the meeting and nothing happened with it, and I, I knew nothing would, you know. And then um, three weeks ago, we all of a sudden I got a frantic text from Mike Farah uh, at Funny or Die who said, and, I, and let me work on – I have a Mike Fair impression. I don't oh, know this if is great. Wait. Here's an impression for of someone that no one knows. Here we yeah. go. <laughs> but it's, uh, uh, hey, buddy. Uh, hey. Hey, buddy. Uh, if the president is ever going to do a Between Two Ferns, it's now. Wow. Whoa. And, what? Whoa. And I checked in with Zach, and and uh, we were like, "This is never going to happen." <laughs> still, still yes. never going to happen. I so like then, it. we basically were asked to put together sort of a, a pitch of what we wanted to do with the video. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Zach and I got together and kind of worked it out and and thought of some ideas and and put it in a document that was was sent over to the White House of like, "Hey, here's what we'd like to do." Um, fully again, expecting it to be like, uh, (laughs) but yeah, like what do you pitch the president of the United States? Do you give him a piece of paper that just says anything you want to (laughs) do? It just has one sentence. No, we, I mean, actually, no, we, we weren't willing to do anything strange. I mean, strangely enough, I believe it though. I believe it. It's a very specific tone and very, we did not want to do a terrible episode of between two ferns just because it was the president. So we, we were fully ready to walk away. Um, if, it was looking like it was going to be too much of an advertisement or a, right, or right. a not a real episode. Um, it was very important to us that it be a regular episode of Between Two Ferns, that it be tonally the ex- <laughs> exact same as the others. Yeah. Um, and the White House, to their credit, um, they just kept letting it happen. Um, days would go by and we would hear, it's great. Okay, this is going to happen, and then we go. This is not really going to happen. <laughs> then they'd say, "Okay, you're going to do this the week of," and they told us the week that we were going to do oh it. We're like, God. "This is not going to happen." Yeah. <laughs> and then I, what was interesting to me was, um, I'm in the middle of shooting Comedy Bang Bang season three, right? And this was a a huge kind of upset to our shooting schedule because I got a week. Uh, where i'm shooting that they were saying it's going to happen sometime in this week and so i even said you know what i can't do it if it's on wednesday or thursday because i'm shooting shows wow and they said all right we'll do it monday that's so awesome (laughs) dude what a baller i know and hollywood player they 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 accommodated my schedule which they didn't have to do it was very it was very crazy they said okay we'll do it on monday and zach and i were like this is not gonna happen (laughs) then they flew us to washington (laughs) dc 
And Zach and I were like, yeah, we're in Washington, D.C., but we're not getting in the White House. No way. I love this. And then we drove to the White House, and they met us at the gate, and we we got in, and then we actually got through security. That's crazy. And then they took us to the the White House bowling alley. Whoa. Um, Nice. Which was a cool place that I'd always wanted to see. Yeah, um, I never saw. There's pictures of presidents all adorning the walls, <laughs> really mid mid throwing balls. <laughs> <Exactly>. Awesome. <laughs> but still, we were like, something's gonna come up. Yeah, right. Some emergency is Some gonna come up. World issue, or <laughs> or not even that. Someone, the president's gonna say, "Wait a minute, what am I doing?" Yeah, he'll finally <laughs> yeah. read the memo. Yeah. Be like, yeah. No, 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 no. So, but then. We set up all the cameras and we we got a time and it was it was clear it was going to happen and it's crazy. and then it just kind of happened it was it was very nuts I mean it it's a a situation that none of us I think had ever expected to be in yeah very surreal get the team Coco inside poop from their website teamcoco.com slash podcasts and now it's time for a word from our mythological sponsor. Hello, friends. Summer may be winding down, but with plenty of warm weather still ahead, now is the perfect time to take advantage of Henderson's annual sale on picnic pants. You know, you shouldn't wear white after Labor Day, but don't let that old saw stop you from slipping into a pair of white and red checked Henderson's picnic pants. Roomy, cool, and comfortable, Henderson's picnic pants are a walk in the park. And once you've found that perfect spot to plop down your basket, that's when your picnic pants go into action. One firm tug achieves easy release, and the pants' legs unfurl to form a ground cover wide enough to accommodate the entire family. Specially built pockets hold an entire arsenal of sporks, while the insulated pockets, both front and rear, keep plenty of coleslaw, potato salad, and condiments on ice until you're ready to eat. I know what you're thinking, what about my meat? Well, friends, with Henderson's patented concealed crotch cooler, there is plenty of space to tuck away those weenies, brats, and patties until the coals are hot enough to stick them on the grill. And with our buttocks basket, you'll be sure to have an ample supply of buns on hand. In addition to being both stain and water resistant, picnic pants are insect repellent too, which means there'll be no ants in your pants when it comes time to bid adios to your favorite park or beach luncheon spot. Originally designed for SEAL Team 6, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and the Donner Party, Henderson's Picnic Pants are now available on sale wherever fine tarpaulins and mulch are sold. That's Henderson's, makers of fine trousers and pantaloons since 756 A.D. And now, back to Suckatash. Thank you, Bill Haywatt. Uh, hearing your voice reminds me we have got to get back into Studio P, the wet bar, and uh, do another Boozing with Bill segment. So uh, let's try and line that up soon, shan't we? It is Tweet Sack time. Hello, Tweety. I'm sorry you were in that bag for so very long. I am going to blow out most of the tweets and notes that we always get out of the Tweet Sack. Sorry again, Tweety. This episode to make way for a clip from a podcast. Now, this is not a clip that was sent in. Tyson Sainer just happened to pull this down and send this in, uh, and it is with a heavy heart that I cue it up. It's an exorcist spoof from the Inverse Delirium podcast. 
Uh, I say heavy heart because host and creator of the Inverse Delirium, Jeffrey Welchman, sent me a direct message on Twitter a couple of days ago saying he was shutting the show down after four years. Now, I asked him why, and he said between his day job and other demands eating into his time and the fact that he has, quote, lost the spark, unquote, as he put it to get behind the show, he thought it was time to sign off for the last time. Now, I predict that he'll be back, but if you go to the Inverse Delirium uh, com website, you'll see a, a very a hasty little note he left there just uh, thanking his listeners, uh, but he was going away. So in the meantime, uh, here's what may be the last clip that we play on Succotash from our friend Jeffrey, uh, or Joffrey, if you prefer, at the Inverse Delirium. Finally, we bring in our shifting company of shiftless voice actors for a new take on a horror classic. Take it away, Poison Dart Playhouse. Thank heavens you've come, Father. He's holed up down in the basement, and he won't respond to anything I say. I expected as much. And he's been growling like a wolfhound. What kind of wolfhound? Irish or Russian? Czech, Father. Czech? But I haven't finished my entree. No, Czech is in Czechoslovakian. Ooh, this sounds very serious. Bless you, my dear. This is my assistant, Father Karras. Has his condition changed at all? No, he's still hiding in the basement. Father, we must enter the man cave. But your heart, Father... I must do this if this marriage is to survive. Go away! You have no power here! We call upon the Heavenly Father to rescue this man from the slough of despond. All I want is some me time! And help him embrace the holy state of matrimony in good faith. No! I just want to play my video games! Do you think he's dangerous, Father? No, son. Uh, Father, this type of possession is common. The victim withdraws back into his habitual state of adolescence. That's right. You, the possessed, Emil, must emerge from bachelorhood and embrace a shared existence. You, who have savagely moped around the house, instead of so much as helping do the dishes after dinner. Stay away from him, you fool! He's mine! He is not yours! He is a husband now! Don't talk to the demon. He's a liar. We must reason with the victim to pull him out of his demonic prison and into his marriage. You'll never banish me, priest! Now back to the ritual. You, Emil, who have grotesquely hidden yourself in the TV room downstairs when you know your spouse is afraid of the bugs down there. Say it, Father, say it! You, who have gruesomely kept your gratuitously gory zombie DVDs after your loving wife moved in with you, you must give in and learn to... Say it! Compromise. No! Compromise. No, no. You must give in, Emil. Nothing that you can call upon you must give in. Would make me change my ways. But you will change, Emil. The power of wife compels you. The power of wife compels you. The power of wife compels you. Hey, maybe they have a point. I, I should help with the dishes. No, no what am I talking the about? The power of wife compels you. She worked a full day and made dinner. Oh, no. The power of wife compels you. You know, I bet she'd love to go to the museum on Sunday. I can skip the game. What am I saying? The power of wife compels you. Oh, oh, all right, 
Thank you, Finn. Father, it's working. God is great. I love my wife. Yes, Father. Darkness is leaving him, and he sees the light of compromise. She's probably right anyway. Of sharing in the wisdom of the wife. Because let me tell you, it's not easy being a wife, you know? When all I have to do is ask for one little favor, and it's, You're the devil. Honey, could you put up the storm windows? You're Satan's unholy spawn. <laughs> Honey, did you replace that light bulb? A pox on you, fiend. <laughs> but since this exorcism, I'm his angel. Aww. Just calls me angel in the morning, angel in the evening. Aww. But he does miss his devil woman at night. <laughs> Thank you. You've been wonderful. Don't forget to tip the podcast. So long, Joffrey. You've been a credit to the industry, and your show will be missed. The past episodes are still up for the present time at, their, at his home site, inversedelirium.com, so get it while you can. And maybe shoot old GW a note and tell him how much you'll miss him. Okay, here's now a rundown of those folks that have been kind enough to pop our name out on Twitter in the past week or so. They have either followed, retweeted, favorited, mentioned, or otherwise stuck at Succotash Show on a tweet, maybe even by accident, or... They could just be some kind of crazy bot. Sad Paul Giamatti, The Sibling Rivalry, Solid Cat Podcast, Fake Ann Curry, Mike Guido, Joey King, Britain American, Hear Andy Talk, Cloud Plays Comments, Christine Blackburn, Jason Romaine, Illusionoid, Wrong Foot Podcast, Pod Mafia, Davian Dent, Jabs D Head Factor, The Comedy Buffet, Emmett Short, Imani Brighton, Good underscore podcasts, Kathy Claus, Kathy Claude's guest, <laughs> Sushi Sue, address this mess, Laura Sainer, Corey Epps, Nigel Boydell. Oh, by the way, I just recorded an episode of Nigel's HMS Podcast. I mentioned this at the beginning of the show. It went up this week. I am going to feature it in its entirety following the regular episode today. So stay tuned after the closing credits. Jeff M. Albright, The Angry Chip. The Angry Chip? No, that's The Angry Chimp. Eric Foon, Derek Evan Relaford, Hob the Troll. You know, I think we may have a new song by Hob the Troll to play for you next week. San Diego Sabrina, Dark Moon, Pika Radio, NE1FM Breakfast Show, Louie Katz, Matt Baca, Rooster T. Feathers, Danny Gomez, Greg Dunbar, Caleb Bacon, Machine V2, Dot oh five. See there. There's the bottom talking about. Turk Reno, Eric W. Dolan, Judge Dread, John Dredge, The Crunch Time Show, Wayne Baglin, Screams and Moans, Sways McIntyre, Dave Nelson, Ed Wallach, Center City Comedy, and Dazed and Confused. That is your tweet sack for this uh, episode. Our associate producer, Tyson Saner, clipped us off a, a bit of The Champs, which is the podcast hosted by Neil Brennan and Moshe Kasher, a couple of very funny comics who somehow managed to find the time to record these podcasts together on a regular basis. They interviewed Arsenio Hall, whose new TV show was recently picked up for a second season. He talks about when it was, when it was that he first realized that he wanted to entertain people. Our, our guest today, uh, I've, been a, I've bugged him via Twitter. Two years about doing this? Yes. 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 And I wanted to do it. Uh, so I'm glad I'm finally here. Yeah. Oh, do you recognize the voice? Do you recognize that voice? I'm, I'm a fan, man. I'm a fan. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm a fan, fan of your writing and his glasses. Oh, uh, thank yeah. you. That you know, I'm. I, you. I, I, that's what I care most about. That's how we glasses. differentiate ourselves, Motion, Mr. Glasses. Neil Brennan, a classic comedy writer, motion casher, a dude with dope glasses, and of course, you may recognize that voice. It's the one and only Arsenio, Arsenio Hall. Hall. All right, brother. Hey, so here's you know. here's I have questions, like personal questions that I've always wanted answered. Uh oh. Cool. What was happening with your life in nineteen eighty five? What I'm I always you all for to me, you there was no context for you. You came out of seemingly nowhere. Yeah. So I'm wondering I knew you were on Amazon Women on the Moon. Fantastic. Yes, yes. yes. My best work. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. And you know what? I understand the Oscars. But why the Image Awards didn't give me a nod? <laughs> you know? It's for broadest performance. Broadest, wow. uh, yeah. broadest, <laughs> broadest I don't get it. It was very broad. It was yeah. him and a him and a faucet. And my, was... char- char- my character died in that scene. Is that true? Yeah. I don't even remember. Yeah, we, you know, you don't get to see a funeral or anything. But he fell from eight floors to his death. Uh, did they cut and, to a wide of it? Um, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I fell and hit the concrete, and it was a man sweeping. Yes. Yes. Very good. Yes. Uh, so was, so was that your thing at first? Was you wanted to be a comedic actor? Or? Well, oh, okay. So, so here's the deal. Um, I've known what I wanted to do since I was like five, but I just didn't know what you called it. You know, my dad was a Baptist preacher, and when I was five years old, my dad said to me, "Do you want to go out in the pulpit with Daddy?" And I always had talked about his POV. I didn't use that acronym, but. Uh, What's it like, Daddy? What's it like up there? And and I would see my father with just his voice make women run and scream. And uh, at that time, there was no R. Kelly. So no one was making women do crazy stuff with yeah. just their voice. Your dad you know? was the Baptist R. Kelly of his time. Yes! That's amazing. <laughs> yes! Fantastic. Yes! And uh, um, I'm sure if there was... Um, a project that he did, black panties would have been included with it because uh, was he, was it, very, uh, he was a very hip. Shout preacher. out to R. Kelly. Yeah. Uh, was they so he was a was he like a popular Baptist preacher in yeah. Cleveland? Yeah, my dad was a popular Baptist preacher in the inner city of Cleveland on Holton Avenue. He had a church called the Elizabeth Baptist Church, and uh, that morning he said, "Follow me," and I walked with him, and I made that grand walk down this hall that seemed like. It was headed to the Rose Garden when you were a little kid. But when you go back, right. you find out, oh, it was only three feet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Things yeah. felt bigger and more grand. Yeah. But I walk down that hall, and I'm holding his hand. How old are you? Uh, I'm probably – my mother and father got a divorce when Sorry I was about it. six. Yeah, so this was – this had to be five. Okay. You know, I'm, I'm trying to pin the time down. So he sits me in his chair, and then he – Walks to the pulpit because the uh, choir's finishing up. And I sat behind him while he preached for the next hour to this congregation in the inner city of Cleveland. Just collecting the panties from the- <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was, uh, I, I was working broom. with the deacons to, <laughs> yeah. uh, to recover the panties after the sermon <laughs> was complete. Uh, but it was bizarre because you don't know how to describe it as a kid. But you're seeing someone with their oratory skills control a room in a way that only musicians and maybe stand-ups can do right um years later i went to see al green there was a comic who opened for him and i watched him take them from a mob at the cleveland public auditorium into saying hey this guy is pretty funny and who um, was it his name was herb jupert mm. and you know we, we would there, there was nothing to google then um so uh wherever he is 
That's the first stand-up comic I ever saw perform. And at that point, I put it together. He does what the part of what my father does that I can handle. For the because, devil. He does what he does for the devil. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because that was how – because I'm thinking, like, I know I can't be a preacher because it, there are too many rules. Right. You know? Right. Uh, but comedy, you can pretty much make it up. I walked in the comedy store one time, and Andy Kaufman was wrestling. So uh, you pretty much can make up your right. own rules in this. Yeah. That is pretty cool that you didn't even have a language to articulate it as a child, but you still went You just wanted to be that in is, that's talking yeah. in front of people yeah. and moving people. Why not go get yourself some of the champs at their home site? That's at uh, www.thechamps.libsyn.com. Now, I've had the Doghouse Bastards, or DHB Radio Show, mentioned to me a few times in the past couple of weeks, uh, mostly on Twitter, but also last episode's special guest host, Davian Dent, was, uh, was singing their praises. The host, Scott Taylor Scott, is from Scotland. I'm not sure about the Lurch Monster and NDD, but in this clip from show number 159, entitled She's Trying to Kill Me, they mourn the loss of the WWE's Ultimate Warrior. You know, in memory of those lost this last week, I, I was truly glad that we have, we have, of course, adorned ourselves, Lord and I have adorned ourselves, as, as wrestling's primera. That's how me now. I have yeah. my, I have my big evil t-shirt on, you know, for the, the taker. Uh, I don't even know why I'm wearing shades, because I'm cool as fuck. And I'm wearing my wrestling Ray, mask. Ray Mysterio's let himself go, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I know! <laughs> my, my luchador mask on. Right. I, I'm, I'm pushing my beard back in my face. Okay, Mysterio. <laughs> come for eating one of these injuries. <laughs> I'm going to fucking kill you, pair of bastards. So, oh, nay, Mysterio. Of, <laughs> of course we have... The champion saying, what an improvement of Scott, you can get fucked. We also have, uh, oh, of course, Lurch here with the, the, the Ultimate Baron Warrior. Baron Von Ultimate Road Warrior, Lurch Monster. Baron Von Ultimate Warrior, Lurch, Road Warrior, Lurch, shut up. Okay, so, <laughs> you are adorned, your face is adorned in the, in the Road Warrior. <laughs> but like, it's Sorry, not my warrior. But like, it's since Wednesday. <laughs> oh, it's just a hard thing to do. off. <laughs> The best thing I think is the best. This fucking mask is doing my face. It's pushing the beard back into the follicles. Everything's itching. You, you look totally. You look totally good at it, though. Do I? Oh, you look so slim. Oh, thank you very much. It's very slimming. Because <laughs> it's smashing my face in a big blob. That's what it is. I'm gonna fucking hurt you. Listen. So you, of course, have the face painted like the Ultimate Warrior, uh, in remembrance of Jim Helwig. Yeah. The, a sad week. Yeah, I think you'll was. find it was sad. Of course, Shocking. we three men are all, uh, you know, kind of old era mm-hmm. wrestling fans. Yes. I mean, my main man, you, I, I know for sure, oh, are a, that it. kind of time of time frame fan. I loved that era of wrestling. It was just Ace. You had Ultimate Warrior. You had Mister Perfect. You, oh, you had all them characters, and they were proper characters as well. Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Lurch, of course, you as well. I mean, you're, you're younger than we are by a, a good margin. However, you also are a big fan of that era. Yeah, because <laughs> I had the hand me down videos. Oh, did you? <laughs> I, I never got so. Uh, when I was growing up, I had like other eighty stuff uh, in the nineties. You weren't allowed the kind of uh, Archie era stuff. You were given all. Kind oh, of the... I got Archie era eventually. Right, like when it was finishing. <laughs> <laughs> Because you, I mean, you do now have a, a, a sizable collection, I believe, of wrestling-related DVDs and and Most, videos and uh, from the eighties up until sort of two thousand and three. So the kind of the old stuff plus the archive stuff, if you yeah. will. Yeah, yeah, the good Go stuff. Ahead. The good stuff, exactly. Yes, so. but I mean, of course, uh, sad news: the Ultimate Warrior. Who now, as a kid, I was the biggest fan of Ultimate yeah. Warrior. I. I was obsessed with this guy. I even made my own other warrior costume. I looked <laughs> shit as fuck, but it was a, a homage. I used to fucking rattle the, the bed, think it was a ring, the, a ring ropes. 
the mom was a legend. Stop interfering with your therapy, Completely. Don't make me come up there. He's, the mom was completely batshit mental, yeah. but oh. fuck me, what an entertainer. He had the best ring entrance ever. You'd hear all the talking, the next thing you hear that music come on, and the guy would run down the ring at 110 miles an hour, and... It's no surprise his matches never used to last long because he'd run like fuck, shake the ropes, he'd and he'd be see, breathing at his arse. Oh, asthma inhalers out the boy didn't even have asthma. And <laughs> it's, it's, it's just I'm picking, boys. I'm picking. Yeah, oh. quick puff. I remember, <laughs> I, and the chairman, of course, can maybe uh, correct me as well. There was one event. It may have been a SummerSlam event where it was in this massive stadium. The ring, of course, was in the middle, but the entranceway for the wrestlers was what, about half a mile back. <laughs> Yeah. And of course, the Ultimate came out, he sprinted the whole way, like the, almost the length of a fucking US football pitch, you know, to get to the ring, does a lap of the ring, goes inside, pumps the ropes, he's breathing at his yeah. fucking arse, he can barely stand, ding ding, here goes around, you know. Give me ten minutes, boys, give me five minutes, hold on, hold on. <laughs> the, the first uh, match I ever seen him in was against the Honky Tonk Man. Yes, really. The Honky Tonk Man. That match oh. was over in about two seconds flat. Because <laughs> he always had a way. He says, listen, I'm, in. I'm fucked. I'm, I'm fucking <laughs> Just roll over, go for the tap. I'm, I'm waiting for a beer out back. I'll give you the old girl a press. I then you lie down. Passed out and took the Honky. Can you get him off him? I'm <laughs> <laughs> supposed to kick it. Come <laughs> 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 oh, on, man. Oh, what are you playing <laughs> So, of course, I mean, we all know that the Ultimate Warrior... The Ultimate Warrior's got lurches patented by... He had hard past uh, exactly. Of course, the start of the show there, you heard one of his legendary promos, the one where he, he threatened to take over the, pra- the plane yeah. carrying Hulk Hogan right. and smash it into the ground. <laughs> I mean, largely, I mean, of course, that, and that was obviously brought by your good self. <laughs> you know a good <laughs> promo when you hear it. <laughs> Best promo I've ever heard. I mean, you have to admit, the guy was fucking batshit. <laughs> you can't, he was on, not just the steroids, but the fucking cocaine as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> First in the puffer. Oh, can I get the one with cocaine? Then? Oh, dear. So, I mean, really, <laughs> Really a sad week all round. Yeah. If you would like to check out the past 158 past episodes of the Doghouse Bastards radio show, or maybe you just need more time working out what they're saying <laughs> through that accent, click on over to doghousebastards.com. According to the podcast summary, as stated on the home site of this next podcast, the Travis Sphere is a glimpse into the world of Travis Knight. So give a listen for a few laughs, great stories, absurdity, and whatever the hell else he wants to talk about. His guest on this clip is none other than Twitizen Tom Jackson Jr., who is a retweeting mofo that has given Succotash a great deal of love. Hello, Tom. But we're obvious uh, we're obviously not the only target of Tom's affection, as Travis describes him as one of his quote, awesome followers. Unquote. You said that you're a fan of, of comedy and stuff, so what's what are some of your favorite uh comedies? Um like your top I don't know, three or four, five movies. Uh, like, like comedy yes. movies? Okay, I would have to go with, um, let's see here, Caddyshack. Yes. yes. Always, always a good classic. Uh-huh. It, very good one. Um, I remember first seeing that one when I was, I want to say about six or seven. Because I found a videotape in uh, my my parents' house, and I put it on, and I watched it, and I thought it was the funniest thing, and I've been a fan of it ever yes. since. Yes. And um, you know anything with, with Chevy Chase, you got to put that up there. I mean, one of my earliest Chevy Chase movies 
that I've ever seen was one, he actually, there were two, I remember. One was called Oh Heavenly Dog, and that was him with Benji the dog, where it was sort of like a, um, and he, he plays a guy, like a investigator who gets uh, shot and killed and goes to heaven and comes back as a dog trying to figure out who killed him. So it's sort of like um, Heaven Can Wait almost. Mm-hmm. Or, um, so, yeah, yes. Yeah, sort of like a Heaven Can Wait only with a dog. Um, but the one that I do, like, one ones that I do remember, like, earlier than that with him was, um, and, you, and you could rarely find it. And it was one that didn't do that well, but I remember it. It was called Under the Rainbow. And that was with Chevy Chase and uh, Carrie Fisher. And it was about uh, the making of The Wizard of Oz. And all I remember was it, it was with, uh, it had a, a lot of little people in it. And uh, that's all I can remember from it. It was Chevy Chase, Carrie Fisher, and all these little people. And it had to do something with The Wizard of Oz. And then there was like a murder plot involved in it or something like that, but it was a comedy. And you don't really, that, that's one that's really not out anywhere anymore. There was that one, and then there was one he did called Modern Problems, where he played a guy who was driving behind a, um, what do you call those trucks? The, uh, like a sewage waste truck, and he gets some radioactive sewage on it, on him, and ends up having all these, um, how can I put it? He had all these, uh, I want to say like superpowers, but he wasn't like a superhero, but he started causing trouble for everybody. And he had like some sort of reaction to it. It was him. It was Nell Carter from the show Give Me a Break. It was um, Bill Murray's brother, yeah. Brian, who was also in Caddyshack yeah. uh, as well. And uh, I forgot who else was in it. Someone else was in that. But, I mean, I remember he, he used to do all these little screwball comedies. And that's the one thing he did regret when he left Saturday Night Live is that he left too early and went and did all these movies. Because he sometimes yeah, wishes too, that he did stay on the show. Some of, his, some of his best stuff could have... What are you going to do? So getting, getting back to uh, mm-hmm. <clears throat> comedy movies, uh, my second favorite would have to be uh, with, without a doubt, any time it's on, I have to watch it. It's um, it it's um, it's at the tip of my tongue. It's one of my favorites too. I don't know why I can't think of it. Um, Goonies, yes. yes. Goonies, that's it. And there are people that I know who say, "Well, I can't sit through that." I'm like, well, it, it's it's funny because I I remember watching. I watched that the other day, and I'm like, mm-hmm. some of these older movies. Like back in the eighties and the seventies and stuff like that were very slow. Almost yeah. not like slow, but they took the pace. So for uh getting into the movie, you know, you, you got drawn into it. Whereas nowadays it's boom, you're right into it and you get right into whatever it is and it just seems like everything's like a little five or ten minute skit yeah, or something like that. I, and that's why you know what I mean? Those movies are I have more of those movies than I do movies nowadays. So that's what Tom Jackson Jr. sounds like. Well, there's more to be had at travisphere.podomatic.com.
From the bottomless Smodcast Network comes Get Up On This with Jensen Karp, once known as Hot Carl as a white rapper at the same time as Eminem's rise to fame, and his co-host Matt Robinson, best known for co-writing and co-directing The Invention of Lying movie with Ricky Gervais. Hmm. That must have been fun. Carp says he has brain tumors that are kept from growing by listener support. I should try that trick. Robinson likes board and card games. And, I don't know, maybe long walks on the beach. Why is that information out there? I don't know. Uh, They and their weekly guests tell you what you need to know about before whatever it is they're talking about gets big. This clip features guest Beth Sterling. This Friday night, I cannot, if you live in Los Angeles, I cannot urge you enough to go to Gallery 1988 uh, at 7308 Melrose Avenue. It's a show that I collaborated with an artist on. What does that mean? That you painted? I came up with the idea for the show, and then I told him what to paint for each of the paintings. Sounds like just what you do for every show. No, this one I went like, this is deep. Who is this dude? What's His the, name's what? Bruce White. He does meticulous paintings on black velvet. You may have seen Oh, yeah, yeah. Before. We've yeah. talked about this. And he's unbelievable. And I convinced him to do a show called Velvet Mania, which is just... 30 paintings of old school 80s wrestlers right. that I curated and handpicked. Right. So, like, for example, there is a Ric Flair beautiful black velvet painting. How many are you going to own? I, You know, my thing is I'm going to feel more – honestly, I'm going to feel, like, more rewarded when people buy them. But if, if there's, like, a Coco Beware leftover, I will buy it. <laughs> like, there is no question if you let it go. Up, let's get real. Yeah. If you let one go a day, I will buy that one right. or a couple of them. Uh, but there's, like, Ted DiBiase and Jimmy Snuka and, like, all these wrestlers from my childhood. And I think if you listen to the show, you gonna will. going to be a lot of hot women at this show. Yeah, I'm women love this. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's hipstery. Big. Maybe it's, like, vintage it? enough. Well, Hogan and, like, Ultimate Warrior. Like, those Ladies kind of. do love Hulk Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> huge fan of his porno tape. Uh, Silver Lake will be empty that night. Again, this Friday, uh, you you can see all of it starting that weekend, gallery1988.com. I'll be tweeting the fuck about it, whatever. Uh, or you could not go to that and travel to Austin. Right. Uh, and come to the premiere of my movie Saturday night. Yes. At, I think it is at the... Like the Aztec or something? I made that no, up. No. That just sounds like... Vimeo Theater. Oh, right. It is the Vimeo 7 Theater. 7 p.m. on Saturday. It's called May the Best Man Win. It's called May the Best Man Win. I, did, I, wrote, I wrote parts of it. Okay. Large swarths. You really became the guy who wrote parts of it. Rather than the guy who made the movie. Well, it, it's a hybrid film. It's a uh, found footage comedy. Yep. And half the movie is actual pranks pulled on the public. Yep. And half the movie is narrative scenes. Like like uh, Jackass's Bad Grandpa. Like Bad Grandpa, but with a lot more plot. More like okay. Bad Grandpa meets like Chronicle or something. Got it. But I wrote all the scenes. The Chronicle stuff. I Well, yeah, I wrote all of the narrative scenes. Got it. Right. Okay. Uh, last week's Get Up Off, big success with Noah Garfinkel. Yeah, people loved it. My mom went out of her way to leave me a long message. About how funny she thought Noah Garfinkel was. Letting me know that she was at the gym on the treadmill. Yeah. And people probably thought she was crazy. Right. Well, and that's because that, she was knitting a sweat, a, t- a t-shirt from Because she was not a member. Because <laughs> she was wearing only a bra. Uh, don't talk about my mother sexually okay. on this podcast. Well, I would love to. She's um, listening. You're but be- she, Suzanne is a beautiful woman. She, slow down, buddy. She did <laughs> say that it was her favorite uh, podcast. Ooh, good to know. That's our demo. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people, uh, yeah, last night at Baby Talk, someone came up to me and asked if I had that Brita man. Like, it's become like a thing. Mm. Uh, my- a lot of people coming up on Hearthstone. I've been rocking oh, that yeah? Hearthstone. Good people come in, say hi, what's up? Oh, but do they play the game or are they just there to say what's up? I played one dude. Oh, the not all. I was joking. So there are people who go into that computer just to say, hey, what's up to you? No, they all ask me to play. Oh, okay. But usually but do they like, be like, fuck your dreams. Do they like tell you something or no? No, they're mostly just like, what's up, dude? Like, oh. big fan, love to play. And then they just log off? No, they're, they're chill. <laughs> but okay. one of them I played. How, asked how'd me it go? If I beat him. How'd it go? Yeah, fucking squash him. <laughs> Don't come at me. Don't come at me. Uh, well, anyway, my Brita broke. 
yeah. don't have a Brita, man. Mm. It just cracked down the middle. Does that happen? I mean, you know, the real thing is like, you got that pure. What's that pure? The shit that hooks onto your fucking uh, oh, fountain. Oh, yeah. Fountain. Yeah. <laughs> you're sitting, you're, yeah, you hook it up to the water fountain you in your backyard. What are you, a 1950s root beer float place? <laughs> you put it on your soda, Jack. Jack, you put it on. Uh, all right. Let's get into the show. As you know, we basically have a guest on every week. They bring in three things. I bring in three things. Maddie, one-third of a man, brings in one thing. And we go over them and tell you things you should be up on. This week, we are very excited to have a guest on uh, who I'm a big fan of. And she partook in the Entourage live read that we had that I just admitted to like a week ago because uh, I feel like legally we are clear now. Uh, but uh, we're so excited. Uh, comedian Beth Stelling. Hello. Yay. Hello. Uh, Beth, I'm such a fan. Thank you. I think you're so funny. And... Uh, a lot of people may uh, know you from a bunch of things, but you were recently, you're sort of just moved to LA. I've been here actually, well, a year and a half. Year and a half? That's Wait. Recent-ish. Right? Hold on. Well, well we don't know. We have not two. been keeping track. Two years? Yeah, because I was here September of 2011. Mm. Oh, the ten year you were here for the ten year reunion of nine eleven. <laughs> <laughs> you you flew that. in for it that. It was a tough time. It was. It was. A, we we did some nice things here, uh, but they may have seen you on Conan. Uh, you were just on at midnight. You were just on Chelsea lately. You're on a roll. Uh, how was Chelsea lately? It was, you know, terrifying. It's scary. Yeah, it's right? very. It harkens back to the days of emperors and Roman Roman time. <laughs> what where did it's you like, have a fight? Oh, oh no, yeah. no, it's like, are you gonna stay or are you gonna go? Yeah, it's a little, but I've heard that. Yeah, it's also it's also one of those things where you can't really help, so you just got to go on and be funny, and have fun. You can get up on this at their home site, nestled in the bosom of the Smodcastle at smodcast.com/channels/get-up-on-this. How about that? The description for the Duncan Trussell Family Hour, which we've featured before, calls it a, quote, weekly salon-style super show where comedian Duncan Trussell and guests explore the outer reaches of the multiverse, unquote. Tyson grabbed us off a hunk of Duncan's 100th episode, where he reunited with Natasha Legero, his, first, uh, his former co-host of a podcast called The Lavender Hour, of which there are 60 episodes still up on iTunes. They discussed Natasha's recent appearance on Epi 9 of Doug Benson's Getting Doug with High, Getting Older, and Cleanliness. We're here with Natasha Legero. Thank you so much, Natasha, for <laughs> being on my podcast. Mm. What do you think of that marijuana? Do you feel it? You got high on getting dug with high, so you can admit that we're stoned. <laughs> I like it. On Bob Marley. I mean, come on. Be creative when you're naming your weed. Bob, Bob Marley is the least creative name for marijuana. I mean, that's actually... I'm surprised you bought that. I would buy. I would just not buy that based on the name alone. I didn't buy it based on the name. I... Bought it based on the What your stoner. pusher told you it would do. My pusher. <laughs> hey, man, this stuff's great. Do cocaine. More money in cocaine. No, I um, I don't know. I'm, I'm always perpetually disappointed by the names people give marijuana. It's such a, an amazing drug, and they just shit all over it with their awful names. How long, I was thinking about this this weekend, how long have people been smoking marijuana? Because I was at an art museum in Cleveland, and I was looking at the old, old Egyptian art. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I wonder if they were smoking pot then. They found a mummy. Oh, because there was all these pipes. Like, they had all these old pipes, like, from, like, 400 A.D. Yeah, a and long time. And I was like, time. what were they putting in those pipes? Weed. You think? They found a, in, in China or Japan, like, I can't remember which it was. They found this, like, frozen, blonde-haired mummy. 
and it was old and it didn't make sense. First of all, that there was a blonde haired mummy in China from how far back it was, but then in a pouch there was weed. So it's, it was some kind of shaman or who knows, but it's been around for a very, very long, it's ancient. You know, they would bury them in those domes in the pyramids. They'd bury the mummies and then they'd set booby traps. So that no one could like come and like, oh, cause they would be buried with all their possessions yes. and all their gold and their slaves. They're, they'd make their slaves go with them too. Sometimes that makes you brighten up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The slaves would, I think, get buried alive. No. With the, yes. With the mummies. I the, think I'm talking too loud. No, you're not. You're doing great. Okay. Yeah. The slaves would, you know. Buried alive. Yeah. Some of them, yeah, you would get buried under, cause the idea was, I guess, that in the after, they really thought there was an afterlife, so they figured that in the afterlife you'd just be hanging out anyway. And I wonder if Yolanda would go to the grave with me. <sighs> How sad. Yolanda, for those of you who definitely couldn't possibly know, is our maid. We have a mutual maid that we still share. I lost the dog, but we kept the maid. <laughs> We kept sharing the maid. <laughs> Does she clean your house? She sends her sister to mine. Rosa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she sends Rosa to mine. I don't get the professional Yolanda clean. It's every once in a while she's there, but I've only been doing it once every couple of weeks. I think I'm getting cleaner. You are. You're very clean. You are very clean. Yeah, I don't know what that is. I guess I'm getting old. <laughs> My dad is super clean. He's kind of obsessed with cleaning, but he's an old man. I think it's a byproduct of age or something. Well, you start realizing that when things are clean, then you tend to have better ideas. I think you've truly just not gotten old, but started growing as a person. You think that's a sign? Yeah. Like you're, you become more conscious, conscious of it. You know, you're like more conscious of yourself and your mess and like feels good to clean up after yourself. I love cleaning. I'll tell you, there's nothing better than marijuana and Swiffers. I don't know what it is, but there's something so satisfying about getting stoned and using a Swiffer. And there's nothing worse than a dirty house. It makes you depressed. Well, you yes. it's Depression manifests in the form of a dirty house, for sure. That's how you always know when you go to a friend's house, if it's really messy, you know they're not doing great. Yeah. Even if they say they're doing great, they're probably not doing great if their house is incredibly messy. Yeah. Because you're not finishing cycles. Like when you have a messy house, it means that you're only doing half cycles. So Mm. you're taking things out, but you're not putting them away. Right. It's really cool to watch. It affects your psyche. Yeah, it really does. The Duncan Trussell Family Hour. Always entertaining. Catch more at DuncanTrussell.com. Comical Podcast is a comedy show about comic books hosted by two moderately funny guys from Houston, Texas. Justin and Miguel take the lead with various guest stars, including most commonly Justin's wife, Heather. The guys have been fans of comic books most of their lives and have been listening to podcasts for the last few years. It took some time and some convincing, but they finally started their own show and it's gone great so far. This all according to their website. This is from Epi 10 entitled, You Drop Your Pants, I'll Rip Mine. So let's talk comics. All right. Let's talk our top two comics of the week. What were your favorite two, Miguel? Number one or number two? <laughs> number two. This isn't your bathroom choice. <laughs> number two for me was uh, East to West. Okay. It was 
I don't have the words to describe it. It's just death dealing with that entity. Loses an eyeball. I don't want to give away too much, but it was uh, pretty good. It was uh, a good story. He went off to go see the other guy, and all kinds of crazy crap was happening. Yeah, it was really dark. Uh, I loved it. I thought it, it was, was great. It was, yeah. It's something I've been waiting to see. You know, death get really nasty, and uh, it was really good. I enjoyed the book. Uh, my number one was Deadpool. Okay. Uh, I'm not like you. I'm not a big Deadpool fan, so I'm not, you know, not saying I'm biased to it, but the storyline has been so much involving his past and everything that happened to him and him dealing with Preston in his head and trying to get out of it. The whole battle between him and Crossbones uh, the funny part talking and then the fighting and then him just finally losing it yeah it's great to see him just being a hardcore fighter and, and, and really showcasing his mercenary skills and at the same time like getting some of his edgy jokes back even though Madcap is no longer inside of his head and I'm not really sure what, what happened with Preston but it seems like she got a split personality. Like the good portions of Preston went yeah, to her L and D, and the bad ones stayed, which are just encouraging Deadpool to be more of an asshole. Well, I think the thing that got to me was he's like suffering while he's being a badass. You can actually feel yeah. it in the book, and so it's just like well, the events of Good, Bad, and Ugly were so traumatic for him. I mean, you really get to see a more sensitive side of Deadpool, which is something that nobody's really explored. I mean, they've touched on it a few times. Joe Kelly's run and a few things that happened in, in the first series of Deadpool, his like relationship with Siren and some things like that. But the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly is the first story where you really see his humanity because most of the time he just uses his comedy as a defense mechanism and turns everything into a joke. But there's no way he can turn. I think this run of Deadpool was just. Totally awesome. I think they knocked it out of the park from book one till now. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, it's just been really good, funny, heart-touching, violent, everything you want. Yeah, I so absolutely love Those it. were my one and two. Okay. Mine are the exact same two, actually, except mine, oh, are, mine are flipped. I thought Deadpool was great this week. The fight scenes between him and Crossbones were pretty epic. You really got to see how strong Crossbones really is and how good of a fighter Deadpool really is. But uh, I felt like East of West was a slightly better book just because... It's something that's been building for a long time, and we're reaching the climax of that story, whereas Deadpool's kind of on a downslope from its climax. You see him coping with all the things that are going on instead of seeing, you know, the build-up or the actual, you know, big event. And, uh, I don't know, it just, is East of West just felt more to me like it was moving towards that big, huge climax we've been waiting for with the death, and uh, I'm just really excited to see where it goes. I love that book. Okay, so you pull out... And we have Climax. What is wrong with you today, man? <laughs> I'm just wondering, what is going on here? Did I miss something? I'm frustrated. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a joke. It's a joke, man. It's a joke, man. I agree with you, but I just think Deadpool <laughs> because... Are you frustrated too? <laughs> I'm good. No. <laughs> I'm fine. He saw Eva Green today. He's okay. Nice. I saw a lot of killing today. I'm good. You went and saw the new 300 movie? Yes. Came to my house. Oh, my God, the boobs. Oh, my God, the boobs. <laughs> what am I supposed to say? It was like 15 oh minutes of, oh, my God, the boobs. What am I supposed to say? Oh, my God, the guys with no shirt. The guys with no shirt. Exactly. Yeah, really? Come on. No. He's so sexy. That's the episode oh name. Oh, my God, the boobs. <laughs> But funny, that's you saying it. Doesn't matter. It's your word against mine. So Those words never came out of my mouth. <laughs> I threw them. <laughs> no, whatever. But um, back to the Deadpool thing I was going to tell you. You said some key words how East and West is getting to that climax and how you felt Deadpool was still in a downward, you know. I just think, yeah, he's had his moments back in the past where he's vulnerable, he's thinking about stuff, but it's always been joke, joke, joke. Or, you know, I'm never going to show my vulnerability. And... I think the last couple episodes is still out there. And that's what's probably bringing new people in who've never read him before. I mean, if anyone even listens to half the stuff we say, or you hear from the people when you go to a comic book store, 
that's probably what they're saying if they've never really dealt with it. And it's really good. It's good Dead, to see that. Deadpool's one of those characters that you either love him or you hate him. And a lot of people just hate him for arbitrary reasons. They don't like him showing up on other books and acting a fool. They don't like him showing up on covers all the time. Or they feel like Marvel's trying to force him down their throats. So they won't even give a Deadpool book a chance, mm-hmm. which is really unfortunate because this whole third series has just been amazing. Brian Posehn and Jerry Dugan have been knocking it out of the park. And you've seen so many different aspects of Deadpool that you haven't seen in a long, long time. Nothing that Daniel Way ever wrote came close to any of this stuff. You've seen the deep, emotional sides of Deadpool. You're seeing Deadpool really kick ass. And I can't imagine it being much better than it is. Yeah, I, I can't either. I don't know where else they can go, but they'll probably surprise us in the next. Oh, I'm sure they will. Wow, because you know he's flying away. He's doing his own thing now, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, they're they're fantastic writers. So I, all I have is high expectations for what's coming in the future. Same here. You can find their home site at comicalpodcast.com. Gotta love it when a podcast manages to get their name as their URL. Wish more of them did it. Matt and Corey of Matt and Corey Talk Too Much asked if we'd clip them on the show. So Tyson obliged them by grabbing a slice off their bonus episode, Epi 18, where they discuss pranks gone wrong. One time I was in North Carolina and uh, his guy's name is Bubby. That sounds like a person from North Carolina. Bubby. Yep. And um, he lived in a trailer with his woman. His woman was really big. Really big. Really, really big. And uh, we were all drinking on his front porch one time, and the dude walks out with a purple dildo strapped to his head. What the fuck? Did he know you were there? Yeah, we were all just hanging out, and he was like, just thought it was funny, I guess, or maybe he just got done with his wife. But we started hearing screaming from the inside. His wife was, Bobby! 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 And he's like, oh, you know, he's moving, his head's moving around, dildos flapping everywhere on his head. We're all laughing and shit. She's like, help! Help! Man, we all ran in there. He went through the hallway. He went to go open the bathroom door, but instead of opening, he picked it up, lifted it, the whole door up, and turned around and set it up against the wall. That's one way. Yeah, we all looked in there. She... Not very practical. She... Was in there. I don't know if she was puking or pissing. I don't know what the hell, but she she fell through the floor and was stuck in between the beams. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> yeah. So holy was, shit! She's like like flopping. Like her arms are stuck. She's like flopping around like a, a fucking stuck seal in between the. Oh damn. my god! He's got the thing stuck to his. And fucking he still head. got the dildo. That thing's flapping around flapping while he's around, trying to pull her out. Oh my god! Swinging his head around. <laughs> You're talking about some hillbilly shit. That sounds like Carolina shit right there. Tyson informs me that this was the first show that he's lifted from Spreaker.com. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R. He says it seems uh, to be similar to SoundCloud. So uh, I guess maybe we'll be having more podcasts from Spreaker.com. Their home site, however, is uh, also there at Spreaker.com slash user slash Matt and Corey. That's M-A-T-T-A-N-D-C-O-R-E-Y. All right, so uh, thanks for uh, thanks for contacting us, Matt and Corey. And I don't think you talk too much. I think you talk just enough. We close things out as we usually do with what happens to be our second burst o' durst for this episode. In this installment, he sharpens his barbs on the heads of a few newly prominent racists. Hey, guys. Will Durst here with a few carefully chosen words about how horrible a week it was for old white racists. How bad of a week... Bowling ball dropped on your toe bad. Brazilian soccer stampede bad. Donald Trump testifying at your rent hearing bad. 
First, Clive and Bundy, the Nevada rancher who patriotically refuses to pay grazing rights on government land, stretches 15 minutes of fame a few seconds too long by lecturing a New York Times reporter with, I want to tell you what I know about the Negro. What followed was a wonderful performance piece from an 1870s traveling minstrel show, but the grizzled xenophobe denied any ironic context, and his right-wing militia supporters disappeared like dew on the sun. Then, the owner of the Los Angeles Clippers was subject of an anonymous recording which made Mr. Bundy sound like a recipient of the NAACP Lifetime Achievement Award. <laughs> the revelations forced the NBA to ban Donald Sterling from attending any games or entering any Clipper facility or participating in any business decisions for the Clippers or the NBA for life. He's even prohibited from using the word clippers. So now the Sterling household will only stock nail trimmers in their medicine cabinet. For life. Hope the guy lives to be 110. Personally, I don't understand prejudice. If you take the time to get to know someone, you'll discover a thousand reasons to loathe and despise them on an individual basis. Prejudice people are just plain lazy. Besides, this whole black-white thing is ridiculous. I ain't white. I'm an off-white. I'm beige, tawny, acre, desert stone. And no one's really black. If they were really black, they'd be absorbing light. We keep bumping into each other. Hell, the NBA Finals would be a blur. And there's David Lee and a bunch of other guys. I have no idea what's... It's all pitch in. Yes. For Suckatash, the podcast of comedy podcasts, I'm Will Durst. I'll tell you once again where you can find Wee Willie Durst. He's got his own website at willdurst.com. You can find out where he's going to be appearing. You can also read a lot more funny stuff and catch some clips up there. He's also uh, tweeting at Will Durst. That's W-I-L-L-D-U-R-S-T. You can find him on Twitter doing that uh, throughout the day. So find him. Find me there, too. We're up at, Suc at Suckatash Show. Uh, where we uh, tweet all sorts of stuff about who's on the show and what's going on and sort of some opinions every now and again. Uh, I'm Mark Hershon, by the way, and you can, uh, you can write to me. Uh, you can email me at, that's right, mark at succotashshow.com. So uh, do that if you've got any requests for specific podcasts or you want to uh, ask a question or just lay some news on me. You can get me there. That's uh, that's it, by the way, for Epi 86. I believe that was a record number of clips played on this show. Big thanks to our associate producer, Tyson Sainer, for collecting most of those. And a big thanks to you for downloading and or streaming this podcast. If you like any of what you heard in today's clips, do yourself a favor and track down those shows and give them a full-on listen. Not only did I mention their home sites, but you can, as I said before, mention... Uh, mention you can find most of them uh, on itunes stitcher soundcloud and wherever fine podcasts and otherwise are located be sure to listen after bill haywatt is done with the closing credits because i'll be featuring the entire epi 10 of hms podcast an audio shipboard adventure on the high seas from nigel boydell in the uk those of you who are going to be in the Bay Area this coming Friday, May 9th, just a reminder that I will be hosting the Three Still Standing Benefit at the 142 Throckmorton Theater in Mill Valley. Just click on the link uh, on our home site, SuckatashShow.com, for tickets and more details. 
Let me also remind you that our Amazon kickback this month was nothing. Zilch. Big goose egg. And so far, that's the only sponsorship funds that we have coming in. Henderson's Pants doesn't pay us dick, quite frankly. So please, 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 next time you're going to head over to Amazon to buy anything, jump on up to suckadashshow.com, click on the Amazon banner at the top of the page. It's fast, it's convenient, and it's fun. Well, it's just a link. So how fun is that? You can buy a copy of my book while you're there, I Hate People, kick loose from the overbearing and underhanded jerks at work and get what you want out of your job. And at the same time, you'll be helping out this show. Or if that's way too much hassle for you, but you, you still like to help us out with defraying the costs of production, and it does cost something to put out every episode from web hosting and equipment costs to studio fees and a bunch of other things, just hop on up to SuckatashShow.com and click our donate button. Any amount is welcome. A buck, two bucks, whatever you can spare helps us out. All right, enough begging. You've probably stopped listening after Durst was done anyway. See you next time. Don't forget to keep listening after the credits for HMS Codcast. And whatever you do, don't forget to pass the Succotash. You've been listening to Succotash, the comedy podcast podcast with your host, Mark Hershon. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants and... Imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuccotashShow.com, on iTunes, on Stitcher Smart Radio, and on SoundCloud. You can also hear us streaming and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Succotash Show. Email us at marc at succotashshow.com. Or call into the Succotash hotline at our non-toll-free call number, 818-921-7212. Succotash is produced and engineered with the kind assistance of Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, home of the hit. Our associate producer is Tyson Saner. Our musical director is Scott. Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Until next time, I am your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the succotash. Goodbye. Welcome again, my friend. Please come in. It's a humble dwelling, but one that holds many memories. Take off your cloak. Make yourself comfortable. Pour yourself a glass of rum and one for me. It's a cold night tonight, but a good night for continuing the tale of HMS Codcast, its captain, and its crew. I've told you a little of what was written in the captain's log, the log that was scribed by my own hand so many years ago. Forget the written word. The story's here in my head, you know. Please relax, warm yourself by the fire, and let me cast my mind back if I can. Now then, where was I? Ah, yes, it was day 19. I'd rushed below to find a scene of utter carnage. Stains lay on the floor with the cruel blade of a cheese knife sticking out of his leg. There was blood everywhere, and Potts was standing, staring at his handiwork with a look of horror.
It was day 19. I rushed below to find a scene of utter carnage. Stains lay on the floor with a cruel blade of a cheese knife sticking out of his leg. There was blood everywhere, and Potts was standing staring at his handiwork with a look of horror on his face. To make matters worse, Jack Shit had donned one of Balthazar's aprons and was standing over the prone, cross-dressing able seaman, honing a carving knife with a shaving strop and grinning from ear to ear. Chippy, I said. Disarm this lunatic and get him out of here. Lock him in his crate and get back here as quick as you can. We need to get this mess sorted out post-haste. There's a storm brewing, and I need you all on deck, understand? Chippy nodded, said, Yes, Captain, and laid Jack shit out with an uppercut to the chin. I sighed. Chippy, I said. I was going to add, without the use of violence, but that statement appears to have become somewhat redundant. Needs must, Captain, replied the ship's carpenter. He then bent down, grasped the prone shit by the ankles, and dragged him up the steps to the deck. His head made a sickening thud as it landed on each step in turn. I tried to conjure up a little sympathy, but failed miserably. I turned to Potts. What the hell did you do that for? You do realize this is a hanging offense. I mean, stains, for God's sake. If that leaves a mark, he will be mortified. I should hang you for this. In my defense, Captain, said Potts, I think I was temporarily possessed by the spirit of Cap Mayhem. I need you and your seafaring prowess to see us through this storm. Otherwise, I would have you hanging by your testicles from the main brace. The what, Captain? Oh, I don't know, Potts. Just get the men on deck and let's see if we can't survive the night. Captain? And Potts? Captain? You can forget all that you-owe-me-one nonsense. I owe you nothing, right? Captain? Not you, right? Just get on deck with the rest of the men. Potts? You owe me nothing, Captain. It's I that's doing the Owen. Just get on deck, Potts. Your presence offends me. I followed the first mate up the steps out of the hold and emerged on deck to find the crew about their business. The sky was now black, and the wind tore at the sails as they were folded and secured. I stared up at the clouds as they roiled across the sky. The first drop of rain struck me on the cheek and startled me into action. I went from man to man, encouraging the men in their endeavors. We had finally secured the ship when the heavens opened and the rain fell in steel-gray sheets. I hoped never to experience the real hell, but considered this to be the nearest any mortal should come to it. I fell on my knees to pray, struck my head on a protruding piece of timber, and passed out for the duration of the storm. When I was just a little boy, or so me mammy told me, Away, haul away, haul away, Joe. That if I didn't kiss the girls, me lips would grow a moly. Away, haul away, haul away, Joe. Away, haul away, we'll haul away together. Away, haul away, we'll haul away, Joe. Away, haul away, we'll haul for better weather. Away, haul away. Day 20. We had survived the storm, and I gave thanks to God, evacuated my bowels, and had a boiled egg to celebrate. Chippy Omerod had stitched up the angry wound on Staines's leg with a piece of sail-repairing twine, and Potts had given his victim a stick of lipstick fashioned from a piece of candle wax and some of Staines' own blood that he had scraped up from the hold floor as a show of contrition. Staines had called the first mate a cunt, then limped off to see if the lipstick complimented his mascara. There was minimal damage to the ship. We soon had the sails full of wind and were once more heading west at a steady lick. We all settled down for an uneventful day. Once again, we were proven wrong. About an hour after midday, Prick Stroke Wright informed us from the crow's nest that he had spotted an island some miles south of our port rail. 
Prickstroke Wright appears to have adopted the persona of an auctioneer, and his nonsensical utterances are becoming less and less easy to understand. Island, island, who give me an island? Give me one island, two, any advance on two islands. That two islands going once, twice, for the final time. That's it, sold to the crew of the Codcast, one small island to port. I took the glass off pots, walked to the port rail, and scanned the horizon for any sign of land. At first I could see nothing, then, as my eyes grew accustomed to the peculiarities of the apparatus, I thought I could make out a smudge where the sky met the sea. You have remarkably good eyesight, right? I called to the man in the crow's nest. Thank you, Captain, came the reply. All down to carrots. You eat carrots to improve your eyesight? No, Captain, I shoves them up me arse. It makes me eyeballs bulge, and they seem to work that bit better. Jesus Christ, I muttered. I'm surrounded by lunatics. I handed the telescope back to Potts. Can you make it out? He stood for a while, looking down the tube, and swaying to counteract the sea's small swell. It's an island, all right, Captain. Not a particularly big one, but inhabited, I reckon. Inhabited? Dash it all, man. How can you tell from this distance? I think there's smoke rising from it. Smoke. Captain, and a sign. A sign? Aye, Captain. Surely not. Yes, Captain. I can just about make it out. Go on. It says, uh... Potts strained to read the sign at this distance. Eh, uh, bottled water. A farthing a gallon. What? Can't be. There's more. 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 Go on. It says... A local shop for local people. Proprietors, Edward and Tubbs. This voyage is getting more surreal by the day, Potts. Are you sure that's what it says? It's a hell of a way off. Pretty sure, Captain. Shall we sail a bit closer? There don't appear to be any reefs. We could anchor a mile or so offshore and take one of the boats the rest of the way. The natives will probably be friendly once we plied them with cheap trinkets. It's at times like these I wish we'd been furnished with proper charts. Okay, Potts, take us closer and prepare a landing party. Local shop for local people. What's that all about? And who on earth are Edward and Tubbs? We changed direction and made for the island. A kindly wind filled the sails and soon we were but a mile or so from shore. I could see a thin line of people standing at the water's edge. Remarkably, they appeared to be dressed in a European fashion, and each was carrying what appeared to be a large bottle of clear liquid. Bottled water a farthing a gallon. Who would buy water in a bottle when it flowed freely from the ground? That would never happen, ever. We dropped anchor, lowered one of the boats, and accompanied by Potts, Staines, Chippy Omarod, and Balthazar, I went to greet the natives. I decided to leave Prickstroke Wright and Margaret to keep an eye on Jack's shit and make sure he didn't get into any mischief. In truth, he'd been making himself useful by licking the capstans until they shone, and I had no misgivings about leaving him with a free run of the ship. We worked our way through the choppy little waves that dashed themselves on the shore until we could leap into the shallows and wade to the beach. The inhabitants never for one moment took their eyes off us, nor did they utter a sound. I was a little unnerved, and couldn't help thinking about the fate of Captain James Cook in about twenty years' time. Terror gives me premonitions. Fear also affects my stomach. I broke wind, followed through, and went to meet the natives. This week's episode of HMS Podcast was read by Mark Hershon and was written and produced by Nigel Boydell. 
Mark Hershon is the host and executive producer of Succotash, the comedy podcast podcast, as well as co-author of the prickly business book, I Hate People. Find him hanging around SuccotashShow.com, at Succotash Show on Twitter, and in random bus station men's rooms. You can find Nigel Boydell on Twitter at Utter Toshpod, and you can find all episodes of HMS Podcast, as well as all CSI Troutbeck podcasts, and all 40-odd episodes of the legendary Uncle Arthur's Bollocks at the Uncle Arthur Podcast Collection on Stitcher.com and iTunes.com. You can also listen and download all shows at UncleArthur.Podbean.com. The Uncle Arthur Podcast Collection is also a proud member of the Wicked Radio Network at www.wickedradionetwork.com. If you like CSI Troutbeck, go visit the site at csitroutbeck.com. An HMS podcast site will follow shortly or when Nigel can be arsed, whichever comes first. Thanks for listening. See you next time, shipmates. Shipmates.